0: Welcome to Invoking Witchcraft,
1: the podcast where the sacred and profane come out to play.
0: So call the quarters and set the round. It's It's time time for for another another episode. episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of Invoking Witchcraft podcast. I am Jay Allen Cross. I'm here with my co-host... Britton boyd also known as archaic honey on the instagrams and we are here to tell you all the fun things about witchcraft teach you a thing and uh you know hopefully not spill any tea that's too hot today we have an interesting conversation that we are uh planning here in just a moment but first and foremost what is going on in your life now Britton? what's up
1: oh my gosh I think I've cracked the code on my caffeine consumption and, you know, it being adjacent to my anxiety issues. So Mm -hmm. I have come up with a new plan. I love coffee. I love the flavor, the smell, the whole ritual of making coffee. And I've found that if I have just one cup of coffee a day and then spend the rest of my day drinking green tea, like lots of green tea. I'm currently holding up a mason jar full of green tea.
0: That's a bunch of green tea.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um if I do that, my anxiety is greatly decreased and I have like really sustained, like steady energy all through the day. And um I don't have like these crazy erratic spikes in my anxiety and my energy. And I don't have crashes either. So I've been doing these really lovely blends of like, uh, I have a peach white tea that I'll blend with a little bit of uh, lavender and uh, vanilla ruibos or ruibos, I don't know how folks pronounce that. (laughs) Uh, And so I just been concocting these like green tea potions and they've been so good. And I've been really happy with my anxiety levels lately. So that's what's been new in my
0: world. Oh, that's magical. And that's a hard thing to do is regulate your caffeine, especially when you're a person who works as much as you do to like Mm -hmm. go through that. But I'm so glad that you found a new balance. It's, it's a difficult thing, but once you kind of find that sweet spot, it's really helpful. When I was quitting caffeine a while ago, now, let me tell you, if anybody tells you that something that is not the real thing is just like the real thing they are lying no matter no matter how close it is they are lying because um, I did that roasted dandelion chicory coffee thing or, or whatever that they do as a substitute and it was very similar it looks the same it kind of smells good and it's like a, a hot beverage in the morning but it's definitely not the same as coffee um, mm-hmm. but once I was kind of on the other side of it once it had been kind of a month without caffeine I felt A lot better. And I've slowly been reintroducing things like green tea and black tea into my kind of daily beverage routine. And that's been really helpful. So, anyone else out there struggling with the caffeine, highly recommend that tea life. It's a little different, but it's good.
1: Yeah, it is different. And I'm a neurodivergent person. I have ADHD. And I notice a lot of ADHD folks have an addiction to caffeine because it keeps us high functioning and really helps with the focus. But this green tea stuff, like, I know every, like it's common like drink your green tea it's really good for you but it's been a new discovery for me I've been like I've been missing out this whole time <laughs> and on top of that I'm staying hydrated and like my skin's looking better and I'm I'm feeling nice and hydrated I'm peeing a lot you know good healthy peeing stuff
0: all over the place
1: yep. yeah yeah
0: oh that is lovely yeah how have you been What's new in your world? I've been good. I've been I've been having a little bit of witch rage this morning, um, simply because there's this thing where everyone thinks that their spell remains need to go out into nature. They either need to be tossed into a river, or they need to be buried somewhere. And that was really great when our spell remains used to be things like twigs and branches and stones and whatnot. Nowadays, they're not. They're glitter and plastic and paraffin wax and rusty nails and vinegar. And none of that stuff needs to be put into a river or buried anywhere. So let us all just just get on the same page and just not do that because that is some serious pollution. And Mm so... and it's something that I see a lot on social media. Someone's like, I did like a witch jar with like all this nasty stuff in it. Like, how do I get rid of it? And someone like immediately comments underneath it, like, Oh, put it into a river. And I'm like, none of that needs to be into a river. First of all, that's not good for the river or anything living in the river, but also anyone who then goes into the river is going to find all of your rusty nails and broken glass shards and stuff, probably in the bottom of their foot. And that's not a good day. So, preserve preserve the planet please and um you really really don't need to bury a lot of spells there's only certain situations in which a spell actually needs to be put into a body of water or needs to be buried and about 80 percent of spells really do not require that so feel free to throw things into the trash it will not ruin your spell i promise
1: Mm -hmm. the trash Mm. is perfectly valid y'all
0: yeah, and use, you know, biodegradable, eco-friendly things in, in your practice as much as you can, just because this is often an Earth-based practice. And so we don't want to, at the same time, harm the Earth while we are attempting to commune with it. So let's just be better, folks. Mm-hmm. Do better. Yeah. Alrighty, so what are we talking about today? Uh, the question of the hour is to coven or not to coven. We are going to be talking about covens, why you may want to join them, why you you may want to avoid them. And we're going to talk about kind of the, the modern state of covens, because I think back when I was first starting this, the covens were a big deal. You wanted a coven, you wanted to be part of that. You needed a group. It was a really great way to learn. Um, And nowadays people do not want to join covens. And I see covens kind of becoming a bit of a, a, a bit of a dying breed or a dying species because folks um, it's just kind of fallen out of vogue. And I think that there's also some stigma attached to it. People are a little afraid of, of what might happen if they join covens. And so we're going to kind of discuss, you know, whether those feelings are valid, um, whether or not, we're, you know, we need to reassess them or kind of what's going on with covens. And so I think what we mm-hmm. need to start with is kind of talking about, any experiences you and I have had with covens personally. Uh, So why don't you, why don't you take it away and and tell us about your experience with covens?
1: Well, I have a few, but I kind of want to go back to a point that you made Mm -hmm. where it does seem like this is a like thread that I've kind of picked up through current modern witch culture is covens do seem to be kind of falling to the wayside. And I Mm. wonder, you know, if that has a lot to do with the fact that we now have access to infinite amounts of information Mm. on the internet. And, you know, like back in the day when I was early in my practice, you know, my first thought was, yes, I must find a coven. But that was like in 2007, 2008. And, you know, the internet was still kind of like a growing thing. (laughs) And uh, I found myself, you know, searching for a coven, but like, as time has progressed, and I've gotten older and have watched the explosion of social media and whatnot, it really does seem to have like, the desire for folks to want to join a coven does seem to have decreased. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are operating in a solitary way. And so I wonder you know, is that like part of the um alienation that we experience through social media? Because I do find mm. social media to be an internet culture and culture and capitalism and whatnot to be quite isolating and alienating. Mm. And if we have like, you know, in like the culture of like rugged individualism and have we forgotten, you know, what it's like to be in community because community especially which community (laughs) is not all rainbows and puppy dogs. We have to to contend with a lot of like egos and power struggles and like trauma and all this stuff. And I do
0: one, you know, it's just kind of like something I wonder about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I always wonder too, that if, a lot of times this sort of idea gets splashed around onto all covens. Like all covens are a cult or, or whatever and we're going to talk about kind of some of the reasons why people avoid them a little bit later. But I, I do often wonder if if the few really bad covens are really kind of ruining it for everyone. Um, because I'm not sure if this is something that is necessarily happening all across the board at a high percentage of the time. I think sometimes there are just some really bad instances or people come across a bad coven and then they don't try to join Ever again, because I think all Covens are like that. And so I'm I'm curious to see kind of what happens with Covens as the community moves forward mm-hmm. and to see if if maybe we might be able to revive them or if they're just going to be a thing of the past.
1: Yeah, it'll yeah. be interesting to see how things develop as time goes on. But going back to your question, so I have a few experiences with Covens. My first experience was uh trying to get my foot in the door through uh what is it meetup.com <laughs> is it like the meetup groups back in the yeah. day but you know like pre-covid when we could all gather and whatnot and so I went to a couple of like pagan and witch meetups and I did not have the best experiences um mm-hmm. it was it was a lot of like creepy vibes and a lot of folks really coming from a place of their ego. There was a lot of like ego tied up Mm -hmm. in it. Like people claiming to have like all this power and claiming to have all the answers. And I was really turned off by that. And I was really turned off by the older creepy men, Um, which is a huge experience that, you know, I know a lot of folks have had the experience of a creepy older man, you know, trying to like take them under their wing And whatnot, but um, beyond that, you know, I I dipped my toes in a little bit, and then I got really turned off, so I I turned away. But you know, I'm an Aries. We tend to forge our own path. We're we're pretty, you know, strongly individualistic. (laughs) But I, um, back in I think it was 2008 or 2009, I found a website which is now no longer on the internet called Lilith's Lantern. And the Wild Hunt, which is a news outlet for pagans and witches and whatnot, Mm -hmm. Um, actually, I was I was trying to find the website recently, and they had an article saying the website was down. And the Lilith Lantern was a branch of the Andersons Fairy Tradition, Mm -hmm. and the Andersons Fairy Tradition is a west is predominantly a West Coast witchcraft tradition, and folks like Starhawk were initiated into the tradition and whatnot and star starhawk has written a lot of fantastic books on witchcraft and paganism and whatnot and so um this was a branch of the anderson's fairy tradition and i i just humbly reached out to them i was like hey and i sent them an email i was like hey i'm new to this i live in the area um in in the portland area and i'm you know new, I'm curious. And I want, I would like to know more if you're open to that. And they sent me an email back being like, yeah, we would, you know, love to talk with you and meet up for tea. So we met up for tea. And uh, so it sweet. was really, fan- it was, it was really sweet. And we had a great conversation. And so they agreed to to train me. And my training started out with reading They actually, you know, I learned the most valuable lesson with them, and that was how to study witchcraft texts. So they gave me a huge list of books to read, told me to create a timeline of the history of witchcraft. And it Mm -hmm. was like the most valuable lesson I think I could have ever received. It gave me a full scope of like the history of the resurgence and all of that. And as time went on and I came to understand the tradition a little more, Um, My understanding of the interaction that I had with them, and I have no hard feelings whatsoever um, with the experience that I had, they seem to favor couples because the initiation process Mm. for the coven, to my knowledge, was a sexual initiation with your partner, not with a coven leader or anything like that. Which
0: is an important distinction that we'll get to later.
1: (laughs) Yes, a very important (laughs) distinction. And so I felt very safe knowing that. Mm -hmm. And um, I was single at the time and I did not have a partner to do the initiation with. So I was kind of like, who am I going to find to have sex with to do this initiation? Which is not a good way to go about it. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to do this, you want to, to make sure you have a really good, loving connection with a person if you're going to go through that kind of initiation. Yeah. So we kind of came to an impasse and, um, they declined to teach me any further. And, uh, you know, I, again, didn't hold any hard feelings. It just wasn't a good fit Mm -hmm. for me. And so then from there, I just kind of went off on my own and I have had no interactions with any other covens. I do have friends that are in covens, like specifically the reclaiming tradition and
0: whatnot. So that's kind of my experience. What about you? Oh, mine is interesting. So I, I was in a coven once for a couple of years. Um, and I've since been to events put on by other covens and kind of like, you know, got to meet up with them and say hi and stuff. But I haven't really joined a coven since then. But my, my first experience was in my first year of college. Um, I met a woman in my chemistry class. Her name is Jen. Shout out to Jen if you're listening to this we kind of ended up at the same table and we're sitting there talking and i don't i don't really know what brought it up i think at one point she just kind of looked at me and went you're one of us aren't you and i knew exactly what she meant because this was back in the day when like you know witchcraft was underground you didn't really talk about it openly in front of people and stuff like that and so i was like it was one of those moments where she's like you know and i'm like oh i know you know and she's like oh i know you know i know you know and i'm like oh yeah <laughs> um, it's one of those like moments and so we ended up bonding really super quickly Um, and she's wonderful and so we started to do work together to do spell casting together and if you haven't had an opportunity to spell cast with another person or to spell cast in a group i highly highly recommend it because it is such a unique experience and there's so much power that comes up in these, in these moments where you are working in tandem with other people. And I know that, that we can get very picky about who we do this with. And I think that that's important, but, but having that experience, I think is very important for every witch, um, to have at least at some point, just so that they, they know about it. Um, but so her and I started doing work together and we ended up, um, I believe in the same chemistry lab um, coming across uh, another girl named Krista, um, who I had known for a while. But there's this thing where when you're a witch, you can sense other witches, even if they don't know that they are one yet. There's this, there's this sort of feeling that comes from people who are kind of just born to do the work. And so we kind of very much roped Krista into it and she's, This sweet, very Christian girl who was very nervous about us and the whole thing. But you could tell that she felt very connected to it and everything that we were saying. So we invited her um, to start joining us and she did. And that was really, really interesting because not only did we start working this magic together, but people don't realize that you then become connected with the people in the coven that you are doing this magic with. So a lot of very strange things began to happen. We all began to have the same dreams reoccurring Um, and very odd things. We'd be like walking across campus and there was like this weird three-way intersection that happens in the middle of, of campus. And just one day out of the blue, like We all end up arriving at in that intersection from three different directions at the same time. Just like end up there, we all just kind of stop and we're like, "Oh, (laughs) like hi." Um, It's just there's just a lot of weird synchronicities that would happen, or like I would I would be like in trouble or upset or something like that, and I'd get a message from one of them like, "Are you okay? I feel like you're not okay." Um, so there's very interesting things that happen when, when we start working magic with other people. And so for me, it was a great experience. You know, we got together like once a month, we'd, you know, if one of us would need something, you know, so one of us would need to get a job. So we'd all get together and cast a spell for a job or, or we'd make protective words together or we'd, um, you know, celebrate the Sabbaths or, or whatever, um. And it, it was actually a really wonderful experience for me. We ended up, I ended up transferring schools to a completely different city and haven't really um, talked with them since. But it was a really beautiful experience. And I've since um, had contact with some other covens. Um, my friend Anwin runs a group kind of in my area. Um, that's really neat. Uh, so I've kind of gone and done dinner with them on, on certain Sabbaths and there are a few kind of in the portland area that i've made contact with but since then i've i've definitely been on my own and so mm-hmm. i so far you know i i had a really great experience but i also understand where other people may not mm-hmm. um which kind of brings us to our our next our next thing which is why are people afraid to join covens and you know maybe some things that you've heard do you ha- do you have a take on this why you think people might not be wanting to join?
1: Well, I haven't necessarily heard anyone afraid, so to speak, but perhaps hesitant to -hmm. join a coven. And what I've noticed is, you know, there's the obvious of like the cult stigma and whatnot. But I think the other thing is, is like feeling a sense of belonging and feeling Mm -hmm. welcomed. Because what I have noticed when I've gone to, Um, witchy and pagan gatherings at least in the pacific northwest there is a lot of like power dynamics happening Mm -hmm. and a lot of um as i keep using this word a lot of ego Mm -hmm. um and whatnot so every time i have gone to like a fair or an event or a conference it's, it's a lot of, um, has been in my experience, a lot of prickly energy Mm -hmm. and I could see how that would really turn away a very sensitive person or a person who's yeah, highly sensitive and whatnot Mm -hmm. and, and stuff. So the, but the cult stigma too, I think folks definitely get afraid of, you know, like, am I joining a cult? And like, what even is a cult? <laughs> you know, and uh, like, what will they be getting up to? So, if you're like a newcomer to witchcraft, like that could be a pretty scary leap to take to
0: mm-hmm. join
1: a coven because you have really no idea what they might be getting up to. So, I think if you're a newcomer and you are interested in the coven row of witchcraft, um, to ha- to really f- get to know the people before you make any firm commitments. Mm -hmm. Um, and and really feel them out.
0: Um, But what about you, Jay? What do you think? I think it's a mix of things. I I think that there's kind of this overarching stigma that like all covens are just Cult started by people who want to control other people or or this or that or whatever, or people are afraid that there's a lot of drama in covens, which there there can be absolutely both of these things are very valid things to be worried about, because it does happen. Um, You know, sometimes they become a little culty, the leader kind of gets a little, you know, megalomania going on. And on the other side too. I think that you are right with that. Kind of like when you go into like these these witch spaces, especially in the Pacific Northwest, where everyone is a witch, there's this huge tendency for the vibe to be very much, um, no, don't teach me anything. I already know everything. I'm already, you know, I don't need anybody. I don't need all of this stuff, which makes it very hard to form a group or a team when nobody needs anybody else. And nobody's willing to sort of, you know, admit things like I'm not very good at, you know, divination, maybe I I need a friend who's good at that. And you know, I'm good at potions. And they're not, you know, there's less of this sort of working together aspect of it. There's a sort of I don't need anybody because you know, I'm the best witch sort of vibe that's happening up here. There is something interesting, though, that's underneath it all that I have been noticing. And so we're gonna poke at something kind of squishy here. So since Covens are, are no longer really necessary for the learning portion of it, though I do highly recommend um if you can find a good teaching coven to work with them because, you know, they give you structure, they give you things, you know, like you were talking about, you know, the lists and the books and the um all the stuff that you went through with Anderson Ferry was really helpful. And so I do mm-hmm. think that they have something to offer there. But in this day and age where we can do most of the learning on our own, and there's this huge sort of thing for you know, make it your own, do it your own way, do it, you know, however you feel right and all this stuff and no rules and all that. I I think that it then leads people to sort of develop their own ways of, of doing it, but at the same time without any validation that they are doing it quote unquote correctly. And so what I'm seeing is a lot of people use things like, Oh, you know, there's too much drama or it's a cult as an excuse when I can really see underneath that they are very insecure about showing other people their magic because they are afraid that they're going to be embarrassed or that yes. someone is going to tell them that they need to do it a different way or that, you know, what they're doing isn't right. Because most of most folks out there these days don't have a formal education. And so, like, I I would... I would understand if I was someone who was like self-taught on the piano and just kind of like made up my own songs or whatever. And then I went to go hang out with a bunch of people from Juilliard. I would maybe not necessarily want to play piano in front of them. And I think that this is a very valid concern, but at the same time, I want us to do two things. I want us to number one, be brave enough to go forth anyway. And number two, if that is what you're concerned about, say it. Don't just say that all covens are evil because you are nervous about joining one because you're not sure if you're necessarily doing it correctly or or the way that other people do it, you know? So if, if that is something that you're running into, just maybe give it a shot. Maybe, you know, understand that your magic doesn't have to look like other people's and that's okay for, and it doesn't have to look like other people's in order to join, Um, There have been a few times where I've thought about starting a coven in my area, and I really wanted a lot of us to be from different paths or different styles of working um, in the group, because I think that that's helpful. We get to see it from different perspectives. And so even if you are a little bit insecure, you might also bring a very much needed perspective to the group. So I I do highly still encourage it if you can find a safe coven um that you feel comfortable in because that's very important and i agree that when we go to join a coven you first of all shouldn't join any covens where they're just like yep you're automatically in here we go that's that's Mm -hmm. a concern um but you know get to know the people do you vibe with them are they you know good people do they seem grounded um and if yes if it all seems great then absolutely do a little coven And it doesn't have to be super big. Remember mine was only me and two other people. You don't have to join like a 12 person coven. Um, Mm -hmm. You can just create a little group on your own and that's totally fine. I love what you're touching on
1: here. It's approaching it with the beginner's mind is that, that that open curiosity and realizing that, you know, we don't know anything. There's always no matter how long you've been doing something, there's always an opportunity to learn something new about it and approaching with a bit of humility Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like, again, you know, setting aside that ego mm-hmm. to enter into something new or a little bit scary can be really, really helpful. Um, and I'm like, not to toot my own horn here, but like when I approached a coven myself, I was very, um, like in recognition that I didn't know a lot and mm-hmm. that I was, you know, very open to learning. I was very, um, uh, pliable in that way. Right. So I think if you just approach with that, you know, it, it can leave you a little vulnerable, I think, but, you know, just approaching with openness and curiosity to be able to learn a new thing is really valuable. And I, Jay, you make a really great point.
0: Well, I love what you said too about it requiring humility, because I think that's something that we don't see in the witchcraft community these days. There is no humility. Mm -hmm. In fact, humility is often seen as weakness. Um, So to be able to say, I might need more training or I might need to learn a different way to do this and have that not mean that you're a bad witch or that you're not super powerful or whatever, you know, we can have more things to learn and still be good at witchcraft and still be very valid in our path. Um, And that's something too. I have been thinking recently about um, why I like to work in sort of a, a, a Christian arena for this spiritual work is because it requires humility. I don't Mm -hmm. pretend like my gods are, you know, my best friends that I am on the equal playing field with. No, they're so much bigger than me and I need their help. And that's important. Um, So to have that sort of humility to say, I might need help here, or I might need to learn is so powerful. And I think if more people would just let themselves say that, they could grow so much more. They would get the opportunities to learn instead of just going, no, I, I have nothing to learn. I know everything. Um, Mm -hmm. you really limit yourself.
1: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's such a good point. So do you think um, like our our next question here is like, are they necessary for learning and do our covens necessary for learning anymore?
0: Honestly, no, but that doesn't mean just because they're not necessary to get a magical education doesn't mean that they have nothing to offer. Right, Because a lot of the times, these are people who have been doing it a lot longer than us, especially some of these covens have been around for a really long time. And so anytime you can work with somebody who's been doing this for years longer than you have, you're going to learn something. And that doesn't have to mean that you have to make their practice your practice. But it does mean that they have helpful insight, that they might have been there before. And experience is so much of the game when it comes to magic. And so to work with people who have experience, I think is really important.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's something I want to touch on too. I know a lot of folks and like myself, for example, I I've done a quite a bit of like in my early witchcraft career, I did a lot of teacher seeking. I was looking for a mentor and a teacher. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes when we're looking for a mentor or teacher, we are looking for someone to, and we do this unconsciously, we're looking for someone to process our pain so that like we go through them to get our power.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: don't you don't have to go through another person to be empowered. Mm-hmm. You get that within yourself. You can have someone who guides you, someone who facilitates, but handing our power over to another teacher. I think is kind of like you do a disservice to yourself. And that could even be a little dangerous because there are teachers out there who take advantage of that.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's very scary. I see a lot of the times that people post on things like Facebook groups, like, hi, I need a mentor and some randos like, oh, yeah, I'll do it. And Mm -hmm. And they're like, great, I now have a teacher. And I'm like, okay, first of all, do you even know this person? And I've seen it on multiple occasions, too, where I've seen young women be like, hi, I'm 19 and this is my location. Does anyone want to be my teacher? And I'm like, that is how you get kidnapped. Let's not do that. Like, We need to be very smart about how we do this. And that's also why I'm not big on this whole like, oh, you need you need teachers in order to learn. And it's like because I have seen some of the teachers out there and they're not great. So mm-hmm. I don't think that having a teacher automatically makes you more educated than someone who maybe learned from books uh, because not all teachers are, are, are good teachers in that respect. Right.
1: right. Yeah. I went to a, um, a cult conference uh, several years ago and, um, encountered a person that I knew I'm not going to name names for privacy sake. I encountered a person whose work I really, really respected and, felt myself getting groomed by them Mm. for uh, an apprenticeship type situation. And I kept getting this, like, uh uh-uh vibe from them. You know, like, I really loved what they had to share. And they had a lot of valuable information. But there was something in me going, like, halt.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Listen to that voice.
1: Right? And then a few years later... Someone was like, yes, this person sexually assaulted me. Yeah. So, you know, it's just good to be, to take your time. There's a lot, like when you're new to witchcraft, you just want to rush through it all. I know I did. Mm -hmm. You want to learn all the things. You really want to go out there and connect with folks, but it's a lifelong practice. It's not going anywhere. Take your time and like approach teachers with respect Mm-hmm. And understanding, humility, and and some discernment to see if they're going to be a good fit for you, and whatnot. Um, because a teachers have like don't put them up on a pedestal. They have their own shadow to contend with, mm-hmm. and whatnot. So yeah
0: absolutely and i think that's really important to not put them up on a pedestal you know and and if they are a really great teacher then there should be other people in the community who should be able to vouch for them being really great teachers that's something that's really important if there's no one around you who has ever heard of this person or worked with them or they have unkind things to say about this person uh you know listen to them that that can definitely be a red flag which i think we're going to get into next um but yeah, and I think it's important not to put them up on a pedestal because I see a lot of teachers who still have work to do. And sometimes we can accidentally kind of hand over all of our power to these people because they, you know, seem to know so much more than us. When in reality, they have a lot of stuff to work on, too. So when if you do get a teacher or a mentor or a coven leader or whatever it is, um, recognize them as another human that might have something to teach you and leave it at, at that.
1: Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah we're dealing with human beings here
0: (laughs) absolutely so do you want to talk about red flags
1: oh boy there are so (laughs) many where do we even begin
0: Um, i love that one that you're talking about with the grooming do you have any specific examples of like what that what what kind of really clued you in on that where you were like "Mm, this doesn't feel right um
1: so love bombing like just mm -hmm. showering you with compliments and Mm -hmm. all kinds of things like that. And as soon as somebody starts love bombing me, I'm like, hold up. Why? It makes me feel (laughs) really, really uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So there was that. And then, um, trauma bonding. So maybe I'm using this out of context, but to my understanding, like, um, traumatic events that we had gone through in our past, like as individuals, like, but like, obviously, if you've experienced something similar to another person that was traumatic, like you're going to have a an understanding and, and bond in that way of like, OK, yeah, we both went through this thing. But bonding, um, they were just trying to find an in through my trauma to bond with me more and like mm-hmm. tell me that they could help me heal You know, if somebody tells you that they are going to heal you, Mm
0: -hmm. if they're
1: going to fix you, run. Yep. Because that is not their work. That is your work. Absolutely. So just be mindful of folks who are like, you know, you know, you can even just on your own do a quick Google search on what uh, uh, grooming is Mm -hmm. and what um, the behaviors tend to be. And this isn't to make you paranoid at all. It's just to be mindful of how this happens. And I think a lot of folks like this person that I was speaking to who was, who I felt like I was being groomed. I don't even think they were doing it consciously. Mm -hmm. I think it was an unconscious act because, you know, they're very passionate about what they do and they want to connect with other like-minded people, but it was I felt that it was going to veer into very dangerous territory for me. So those are just a handful of red flags. What about you? What do you think?
0: Well, there's a few, and I, I think that you bring up something that's really important. And a lot of the times, whenever you know I bring up that I'm Catholic, everyone freaks out and is like, "But what about the sex abuse within the church?" And I'm like, "Have we looked at the spiritual community at all? Because it's the same; it's happening here. Anytime we have any sort of spiritual power dynamics, we're going to find predators. And I think that that's something that's really important to be conscious of. Um, one of the ones, you know, right out of the sh- the gate that we were kind of touched on earlier is I I've seen this with covens several times where your initiation is to have sex with the lead person normally at some creepy old man and this goes along with my second red flag which is be very wary of covens that are entirely of young very pretty women headed up by some old guy uh, because that that's a red flag there because the, that's a person who's collecting certain types of people. And that's something that you don't want to get mixed up in. So if you show up to a coven meeting and it's just some guy and a bunch of, you know, people that look just like you, um, I would, I would be a little concerned. And if anyone ever tells you that in order to get into a coven, you have to have sex with them, run and tell other people. Because run that for is the hills. Yeah, that is not something that you should be doing. That is not something that other people need to be doing. And that is certainly not something that is required um, for this, uh, which I I think is important. Um, Now, another one that I think we should talk about a little bit is this is something that I've ran into, and I don't know if you've ran into it before. Um, I have had covens invite me to join knowing nothing about me other than my reputation. So they're like, oh, I see you have a bunch of followers on Instagram and you've written a book and a lot of people like you. Join our coven. And I'm like, you don't know me at all. I could be an absolute weirdo or our personalities could completely not work out like so for you just to open invite me to a thing like that and that's different from like hey like come to some events we'll see if we jive if we do maybe you should join like more of kind of like a soft entry is important but when people are just like yeah i know nothing about you other than you're very popular or seem to have a lot of power so be part of this coven and let me tell you i feel this often by At first, declining them. Because what happens next is really, really important. I have never been threatened by another magical practitioner more than when someone has invited me to join their coven and I've told them no. Then it suddenly turns into a, well, that's too bad. You could have been great, but now you better watch your back. I have had that happen a lot from people when I turn them down. And that is not good. So I often recommend turning people down at first to see what they do next. And mm-hmm. if they're like, no worries, like we have this open thing, like coming out if you want to, but like, you know, whatever, have a great day. Um, then I'm more inclined to get in touch with them. But it's fascinating to see how people will switch from, you seem really cool, come and join our club. We're going to be awesome together to, you know, you're now our next target. And if people are going to flip on you that quickly, they are not people that you want behind you, backing you up in any sort of scenario at all. So that's something Mm -hmm. I really, really recommend looking out for.
1: Mm -hmm. And you know what? That reminds me, and this is kind of adjacent to what you're sharing, is um, keeping silent. Don't gossip Mm -hmm. when you're in a coven. Like, keep your shit tight. Um, when I was involved with the Anderson's Ferry tradition, there was another person who was at the same entry level as me. Like we both entered in at this in a similar way and we were both in a similar position and whatnot. And um, they were also declined teaching, but they were declined teaching before me. And then they found out that I was involved and thought um. that I was being taught. And so they launched a magical attack against me out of spite and jealousy or whatever was going mm. on with him. And um, it's really wise to make sure you um, are keeping it secret and keeping it safe yeah. uh, when it comes to interacting with other people. Cause you are interacting with folks who, who do witchcraft,
0: <laughs> <Exactly>.
1: <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so just keep in mind with that. But that is such a good point. Like, Folks inviting you in and then like seeing how they react when you turn them down, and that would just be so weird if somebody was like, "Oh, based on your credentials, we would love to have you in our coven." Mm-hmm. Um, just as like having a, a celebrity in the coven or something like that is like points or whatever. I don't know. Yeah,
0: <laughs> super weird. And I've had it happen to me several times, and they get very salty when you're like, "No, thank you." So it's it's a very weird experience. But I think you're right, especially like. You know, there's no need to gossip or really talk shit in a coven. And that's something to be aware of, too, as another red flag. If you go in there and everyone's talking crap about somebody else, the the one of the big life lessons I learned is that if you are hanging out with someone, like say you're at like a group, it's like you and this person and someone else, and that someone else leaves the table and this person you're sitting with immediately starts talking about them as soon as they leave that lets me know that as soon as I leave the table, they will also begin talking about me. Mm-hmm. So if they're talking about other people, they're going to be talking about you as well. And that's kind of one of our next red flags too, is if you join a coven that already has drama, either within the coven or has drama with another coven, like if the, if you join a coven and they're already in a witch war with another group, find a different coven. <laughs> Yes. Nobody has time.
1: <laughs> yeah I was You took my words out of my mouth. I was gonna say nobody's got time for that. Nope. Uh, really. Like just walk away um from the drama. It's not worth your time. Um and it also just shows the character of the people involved. Like you want to be surrounded by people who have um good character, you know, who aren't back talking or talking behind each other's backs and whatnot. And Mm. Um, they're acting
0: in integrity you want to look for integrity that is a green flag Mm -hmm. yes Mm -hmm. integrity is a green flag definitely definitely Mm -hmm. and and i think another green flag too is is when people want you to slowly integrate into the coven it always concerns me when people are just like you know they just once you in, no questions asked, like, you know, people will will post on you know Facebook, like, oh, I, I'm looking for a coven, and people are like, Oh, join us, come, you're you're in our coven now. And I'm like, again, you don't know this person. I I feel much more secure myself and also for the coven if people are like, you know oftentimes covens will have closed times in which it's just the coven. And then they'll have open times, like on certain Sabbaths where they'll be like, yeah, bring, bring a friend or bring family. And like, you know, they can get to meet us and get to know us and whatnot. And then from there, if, you know, you attend a few open things and then get invited to some of the, the more kind of private things, that's a great way to go, kind of slowly integrating it. Because not only is that giving you time to n- get to know them to find out if this is going to be a good fit, it's also giving them time to get to know you um, to do the same as well. Everyone needs to be on the same board. Everyone needs to feel very um, okay with the process. And so definitely Mm -hmm. slow integration process is not something to be worried about. A lot of times I feel like people see that process and go, Oh, they don't want me or, or they're not sure about me or whatever. And that's fine. They don't have to be sure about you and you don't have to be sure about them. That's why we have the time to integrate. Mm -hmm.
1: Yes. Time really does. Like it matters and not rushing through it. So a fault that I made um, with the co- the coven that I was dipping my toes into um, was when they gave me the list of books to read, I plowed through those books. Um, you know, I'm a neurodivergent person. I ADHD has this superpower called hyperfocus. When I'm really interested in something, I go above and beyond the average individual and I can get something done like that. So I read a pile of books in like two weeks. And I was like, what's next? Oh, God. And I think. <laughs>
0: and, and your I, brain is just enormous and full. <laughs> like,
1: right. Full <just, laughs> <laughs> yeah. of brain. Right. And so I think they they may have thought that I didn't read all the books or I, you know, glazed over them or something like that. I think they were a little taken aback by my enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. So, kind of approaching with a measured um, attitude and whatnot, and what, and you know, obviously we want to be enthusiastic about joining a coven or getting training or learning new things, um, but making sure we're not overdoing it. Because I think I definitely overdid it in that instance um, mm-hmm. because I was just, you know, neurodivergent brain. When we get excited about things,
0: <laughs> watch out. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Right? I'm not. I'm not sure if I would classify myself as neurodivergent, but I I do that hyperfixate thing, and sometimes my husband's like, "Come back to me, come back to me," and I'm like, "Oh, sorry, I'm just really into the history of frisbee right now." Um, but like, you know, like whatever it is, it's just like. Uh, um, but I think that's a good superpower to have. Sometimes
1: mm-hmm. it's very handy when you're when you're into it and you're doing something. But God forbid you have to do something you don't want to do because then it's like it's the worst thing ever. (laughs) Literally painful. Oh gosh.
0: What about rules dictating that you can't use your magic outside of the group? I have seen that before, and that is a major red flag. If someone is like no spell casting outside of the coven, run away. What about free will? Exactly. (laughs) And like, do I need to call and have eight people come over every time I want to like burn some incense in my house to like clear away some stagnant energy? Like, I don't I don't get that, but I have seen it on occasion. And that's just that's a major control factor that I think is is really concerning. Um, Mm -hmm. And the other one, too, that we're seeing more nowadays than I think we used to is. Like I I think they call it conspirituality, where it's like um conspiracy theories that kind of make their way into spirituality. We're seeing a lot of like QAnon stuff happening in the spiritual community. We're also seeing a lot of like anti-vax stuff happening in the spiritual community. Um, and I definitely call that a red flag. Yes.
1: Yes, y'all. Okay, side tangent. When I posted on my Instagram that I got vaccinated for COVID, I had so many people jump into my DMs and be like, why would a witch believe in getting vaccinated? And I'm like, why the hell not? Like, it's my body and my choice. If you don't want to get vaccinated, don't get
0: vaccinated, but leave me alone. Right? Freedom, (laughs) free will. We are all about that in the witchcraft community, at least until it comes to something like this. Lord.
1: right, yeah. So, if you do encounter like, yeah, those conspiracy things, that's a little and the QAnon slipping into the community as well, and it's very subtle.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: be sure they call it, um, I've seen it referred to as pastel QAnon, where QAnon yes. is taking on the um, uh, pastel. Uh, aesthetic that a lot of, like, spiritual self-help mm. type Instagram health accounts... Health and
0: wellness, ho- like, holistic living.
1: Right, mm-hmm. yeah. So QAnon's kind of been hijacking that
0: um, and whatnot, and it's pretty it's pretty scary. Yeah.
1: hmm
0: Absolutely. So, yeah, so these are just some of the red flags to kind of look out for. Things to, you know, I, I definitely don't think that all covens are bad, and I think that really beautiful things can come out of covens, and I really really encourage everyone out there to at least have some experience in with magic in a group setting. I think it's important. And I really think it's life changing. But just make sure you're doing it safe. You know, Mm -hmm. check out these red flags. And if something just doesn't feel right, find a different coven.
1: Yes, absolutely. Or start your own. Yeah. Or start your own. (laughs) That's always great. Um, So we do have a few minutes left on the show. And um, I have a question for you, Jay, which is kind of tied into covens and tied in it. It might be a hot take. Um, Do you feel that initiation is required to be a witch?
0: No. No 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 and i will in fact go forth and say i have never been initiated into anything ever in my life i mean unless you count like getting a certain belt in martial arts and initiation process but spirituality um no i haven't even self-initiated like Mm -hmm. i i don't i don't think it's necessary for witchcraft as we know it today in the u.s now if It's a tradition that requires initiation, something like voodoo, santeria, any of these other things that do require initiation. I do think that it is important to go through that because those things are in place for a reason. And Mm -hmm. it is a reason that is not simply gatekeeping. A lot of very important things happen in those initiations and they're there for a reason. So if you are joining a tradition that requires an initiation, definitely go through with it. However, As witchcraft as it is in the United States right now, it does not require an initiation. You can absolutely join. And Mm -hmm. that's not something you have to go through.
1: I agree completely. Uh, I remember early on, like, I was reading a lot of blogs and stuff. There was a lot of really great witchcraft blogs back in the day that all seem a bit defunct at this point uh, because blogging is no longer in style. But there was this huge thing around, like, getting initiated is, like, people really wanted to be initiated within a witchcraft tradition and, and specifically within North American culture and whatnot. And I was so hung up on like getting initiated. Mm -hmm. And I think that was kind of like the other thing that why I was declined teaching, because I had a lot of curiosity around initiation with the coven I was becoming involved with. And Mm -hmm. I asked a lot of questions about it, like, because I was curious. I was like, what's it involved? You know, how does it work? And they could only give me so much information because initiations are secrets Mm -hmm. and whatnot and a secret mystery that you undergo but i discovered that um in my own personal practice i did do a a kind of like self initiation it was more of like a commitment to my craft mm-hmm. and i i wear a ring now it's my um i married myself ring oh
0: yeah
1: <laughs> yeah so um i did do that but you know just the the uh, getting initiated like spirit will initiate you like if mm-hmm. you're hung up on the initiation thing like spirit and the very process of stepping on the path of witchcraft is in itself an initiation. Mm-hmm. You're initiating something. It is mm-hmm. not that, in the sense that you know somebody's created a container in a space and they're going through mm-hmm. all the motions of initiation. And someone
0: passing you power, or whatever that you already have, right? Like, mm-hmm.
1: Right. If you if you are um, if if you have c- committed to the work of witchcraft. And have taken that title on and you've lit that match, you know, and you've taken that step. You are, to me, in my opinion, you are in a line of spiritual inheritance. Like you're already, Mm -hmm. you're already linked in with your witch ancestors. Because going, like we all have a folk magic practitioner, I think some of us do Mm -hmm. in our, in our lineage or somebody who was of that persuasion, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's there for us. Mm-hmm. And I agree with you. I don't think that it's necessary to be a witch. You don't have to be initiated in the proper
0: sense. You definitely don't. And I mean, sometimes I understand like like the the process for it. Like when we were talking with Anwen uh, Avalon on our, one of our previous ones, where she was talking about her process of having to go through all of this training and education in order to then be eligible for initiation, and that's something you're talking about too. Kind of like with your process of having to mm-hmm. read all these books and learn all these things. So, I, I do appreciate the the giving it structure, making sure that people are taking it seriously, making sure that people are actually, you know, willing to put in the work in order to then step onto the path. I do think that that's really great, and I, I do think that that's important, just simply because. I think it's it's a lot of what we're lacking in the modern witchcraft community where it's like, oh, I don't have to do any work. I don't have to study anything. I can just call myself a witch and be done with it. And that's like as far as, as I need to go. So I, I do like that there's some structure and some education required in it. I think that that is important. Mm-hmm. But to to say that you can't be a witch without initiation is just, is just flat and correct.
1: Yeah, yeah. I would highly recommend y'all go back and listen to the episode where we interviewed Anwen Avalon, the uh, water witch and water priestess. One thing that she said about her priestess work is that it is service work,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's not about, you know, lording over people. You mm-hmm. know, that was another thing that I saw um, when I entered into the pagan and witchcraft community here in the Pacific Northwest was like, a lot of people really throwing around that. Oh, I'm a high priestess. So oh, I'm a high priest, mm-hmm. like throwing this title around, like it's like, it's it gives them power or something or like puts up a higher, a system in a, in a hierarchy. And I loved her approach to it as like, it's service. Yeah. And that, that really gets missed, I think in modern witchcraft and, and its culture is um, the service aspect of
0: our, our witchcraft. Absolutely. I think that's so important. And wh- what was interesting is, is, you notice in that interview too that when I asked Anwin, like, okay, so you are a high priestess, how did you get that title? She has all the information of how she went about it, what her training was like, who she did her training with, who she was mentored under, all that stuff. If someone around you is throwing around a title like high priest or high priestess, um, they should be able to tell you how they ended up there and it should sound legit. Um they should be able to tell you who their teachers were, what traditions they are trained under and all of this because a lot of times people out there will just throw the term high priest or high priestess onto themselves and be done with it and that's not someone you want to be learning from. Mhm mhm. Yeah. I agree. <sighs> This one got deep today <laughs> it
1: sure did it was a good conversation Alrighty, y'all that wraps up our conversation on to coven or to not coven and we hope that gives you a little bit of clarity in your decision making process should you go the coven route or if you stay solitary route both are valid and both are very mm-hmm. valuable so remember do witchcraft Support for this podcast comes from our listeners. If you would like to support Invoking Witchcraft with a one-time donation, please go to invokingwitchcraft.com backslash donate. Or if you'd like to become a premium listener, join the coven at invokingwitchcraft.com backslash coven. There you'll get access to our exclusive Facebook group for discussion and connection, as well as access to occasional workshops. We hope to see you there.